Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Disciple Making Mama. I don't know if you can hear the birds chirping. I have the window open as I'm recording this. You might also hear some people speaking outside of my house. But yeah, this is um, all part of the package in a way to just invite you into my life, into my reality, where there are birds chirping, people talking. Usually it's a lot louder, of course, than <laughs> when I record the podcast, but it is Wednesday morning and my mother-in-law is taking care of Fuka and Ayumu. Nanya went down for her morning nap just now and I have been reflecting on a few things and just thought I'd like to share that with you because that's also part of inviting you into also I also really want to share with you what I'm struggling with at the moment what I'm figuring out what the Lord is teaching me but um, yeah this thing I'm really certainly not teaching or, or sharing as somebody who's um, who's there yet who's achieved it or so, but that's that's really stirring in me at the moment and that I'm struggling with at the moment. I am honestly really struggling at the moment with this phase that I'm in. I'm um, We've moved to South Africa four months ago. We've moved here from Japan where we were full-time missionaries and that had a lot of challenges, of course, but it also had huge privileges that, um, yeah, for example, my husband and I could work very closely together, and now he's working as an electronic engineer, um, eight hours out of the house every day, and when he comes home, he's had his day, he's tired, I've had my day, I'm tired, and we still have this... Um, passion together to make disciples and to do kingdom work to um, lead others closer to Jesus and help them to grow more into the likeness of Jesus but there's simply less time for that and less strength for that and during the day there's a lot more um, just me alone with the kids time and there's not a team around me that's um also working towards making disciples and I can just be part of that team but in many ways at the moment it is it is me on my own and I know that is the situation that a lot of you find yourselves in and I I really have it on my heart also in the future to speak about um, building a, a bit of a team around you or becoming a bit of a, a part of a team in making disciples because we're not supposed to make disciples just on our own but that's a topic for another podcast um, but the reality is most of us find ourselves quite alone for a lot of the day except for our little ones around you and I am struggling with that I often feel overwhelmed and under challenged I, I saw somebody um describe their experience during lockdown as that overwhelmed and under challenged and I thought wow that that really describes my situation <laughs> and I think as moms sometimes we can we can feel a little bit in a in a lockdown situation although um 
we might be free depending on where you live at the moment and how how things are at the moment we might be free to go places and yet we are we're never really free because we have little people with us and on us and um yeah we are in many ways um limited and restricted in our freedoms and i can feel very overwhelmed just by um all the reoccurring tasks of life <laughs> and yeah even if you're not a mom I'm sure you have those tasks that just never end and that are not very um, exciting and <laughs> rewarding but just have to be done and that can become a bit overwhelming and at the same time um, I, I feel almost a bit yeah under challenged um mentally and um yeah none of my kids really speak yet so I feel mm, I'm I'm kind of talking a lot during the day but I miss adult conversation I'm also really struggling and challenged because I see so many of my flaws being reflected back to me in my kids and my kids are really pushing my buttons and it's very humbling in the confines of my home to to find myself truly somebody who um, has a short temper sometimes who um, is not as nice and um, caring and patient as I would like to be and I can yeah I, I think we can often pull ourselves together really well um, outside our homes and with people that are not as close to us, that don't witness us 24-7, but with our kids, with our spouses, or with very close friends and family members, um, our flaws are just reflected back to us. And that is not nice. <laughs> that is really challenging and sometimes very discouraging. And yeah, there are also really practical um, struggles, like little sleep. I have a five-month-old who seems to be having a growth spurt for two months now <laughs> and she is just really drinking a lot and especially at night I don't know if that is because she's the third child and in, in, in the night that's just when she when she gets her mommy alone time but um I always thought you know babies as they grow older they're supposed to wake up less but this one is waking up more when she was really small. She hardly needed night feedings. And now she's waking up three, four times every night. And um, yeah, she's doing very well. She's growing wonderfully. She's a delight. But it is a reality that I am tired. <laughs> and I wake up in the morning and I'm not super excited and energetic. But I think, yo, I just wish I could sleep a little bit more. And... Yeah, with having little kids comes that we also have little time for ourselves. And even I find that, that I have little understanding of other people. I, I feel often that either they, they value too little or too much what I'm doing, if that makes sense. You know, either uh, they, they don't see at all. Oh, Anu, what are you doing all day? Shouldn't you be busy with something real? Oh, you're only with the kids. Or, 
they they make me this um, saint in with regards to mothering. Wow, you're so amazing, taking care of three kids, three and under, and and I I feel neither is really helpful, and yeah, being in a in a kind of sadly a unique situation in for in our society um i can i can feel lonely and that people don't really get what i'm struggling with what i need and i i think all of us feel like that to a certain extent because um yeah other people cannot deeply understand everything that we're going through and everything that we're doing even if they may be in the exact same situation i also struggle with the fact that at the end of the day no one sees the work that i've done not even i <laughs> because before the kids go to bed they just manage to make the whole house messy again that i've just you know during the day kind of put in order again and then um, as my adrenaline and energy goes down, um, they seem to go up and yeah, before bedtime they have wonderful times of playing, but they go to bed and the house looks like nobody ever cleans up this house. And that's what it feels like I've been doing all day. <laughs> that can be really discouraging. Anyways, this is a little bit of my rant of what is going on in my life. Rant, sorry. Sometimes I have funny English um, pronunciation. But I think every one of you can probably also give your version of this. And I'm not saying that to make it small. Because I, I also see in myself that I am honestly really struggling with those things. But in communication with other people, I can kind of um, laugh about myself and make it a bit small. Um, because, yes, I'm not dying. I'm not, you know, in a very serious crisis. But these things get to me. And I think you have have those things as well, whatever your life situation may be, that things get to you and you are struggling with them. And you are allowed to acknowledge that. And God acknowledges that. And you're allowed to acknowledge it before him. And that's that's also what I'm what I'm learning at the moment in all of this, that um, it is okay to struggle with the mundane, silly things, but they are real. Anyways, this verse in two Corinthians fourteen seventeen to eighteen has really been speaking to me in this time, and it is a little bit out of context because Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And he has really had very, very serious troubles. He's been rejected. He's been physically abused. He's been almost killed several times. He's faced persecution and, um, yeah, just a position of people wherever he has gone. And that is not my experience. And maybe this is also not your experience. So... I, I just want to say that I, I don't just want to quote this out of context. And yet, as I've said, um, we do face troubles and struggles. And although they may not seem very existential and huge, they are there and they have an effect on us. So let's also not make them 
smaller than they are. So anyways, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 14, 17 to 18. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Our light and momentary troubles, the things we're struggling with, the things that are very real, be they big or small in the eyes of other people, they are big and real in our lives. But if we truly think about it, they are light and momentary troubles. And if we are in Christ, if we are following Jesus, they are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So because we have that perspective, because we have that um, position, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I'm, I'm really challenged by, by this verse, by this fixing my eyes on what is unseen, on what is eternal, not allowing the seen but temporary things to cloud my eyes, to take my focus away from Jesus and take my focus away from what really matters and also take my focus away from the joy that I have in Jesus, in that hope that these light and momentary troubles are achieving for me an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That I have this hope, but yeah, if we're drowning in the mundane, we can often lose that hope, I can, certainly. But I'm, I'm asking myself, what if I allowed this current situation of mamahood, these light and momentary troubles to achieve for me an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. How can I do that? There's already part of the answer is, of course, already in that verse that I can fix my eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. So not to fix my eyes, not to focus on achieving things that are seen but temporary. For example, a pretty and clean house. Don't get me wrong. I really like a pretty and clean house. But if that becomes my focus, then I'm focusing on what is un what is seen and what is temporary. And that will fade away. But what is unseen but eternal is, for example, building foundations of faith in my kids. And if I have this perspective in my days, not I am successful i'm doing my work well if by the end of the house uh, by the end of the house yes i'm very <laughs> this house thing is on my mind you see uh, if by the end of the day the house looks picture perfect and i look picture perfect and my kids look picture perfect but those things fade away they're temporary but what doesn't fade away is the souls of my kids the way i live out jesus to them, 
Jesus in me, the way I live my relationship with Jesus before in front of them, the way I impart knowledge and experience of Jesus to them, those things are eternal. They will not fade away, but they're unseen. If you come to my house at eight in the evening, you'll, you'll not see that. But that is what will stand in the end. That's what will last. And focusing on that, fixing my eyes on those unseen things is yeah, helping me build this achievement of eternal glory that far outweighs the light and momentary troubles that I have at the moment. Also, fixing my eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen practically means for me at the moment to not be seen at many events, many places out there, not in public ministry very much, not in acknowledged work, but to be in the unseen places of serving my husband joyfully. And I'm trying, I'm working on that. I'm not always, you know, hear me here. This is a struggle <laughs> that I'm, I'm pep-talking you and I'm pep-talking myself. <laughs> so the unseen places of serving my husband joyfully, raising my children faithfully, and being a witness and pointer to Jesus in my small circle, where it's not seen as a as a public ministry, where it's not seen as, wow, Anna is really, you know, discipling people, but it might just be, um, yeah, chatting with my neighbor from time to time who's not a Christian, um, who's very bitter towards Christians, and being a Christian in her life, I've not yet had the opportunity to share the gospel with her, um, but she knows I love Jesus. She knows I live the way I live because of Jesus. And um, it's in those small, unseen places where I'm called to faithfulness at the moment. Fixing my eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen also means for me at the moment to allow Jesus to build my character again something that is unseen maybe if I um, were now pouring myself into a hundred people at some bible school and building their character that would be seen right that would be great ministry but that's not my reality at the moment and chances are that's not your reality at the moment but your character is reality and you can allow Jesus I can allow Jesus to build my character in the unseen and looking through the Bible I'm I'm both encouraged but I'm also um yeah <laughs> challenged I guess that that seems to be the way of God that he builds his people in the unseen places of light and momentary troubles and those light and momentary troubles are pretty severe troubles at times i'm thinking of joseph who knew that god had called him for something great and yet he was sold into slavery he was accused wrongly he was thrown into prison he was forgotten by the guy whom he had helped and he 
yeah, for years and years, he was unseen. And yet in that time, he allowed God to build his character and then God could use him for the great purposes that he had for him. And we know that in Christ, we are called for great purposes, but are we also allowing him to to build us, to mold us, to um, chisel away stuff that is useless in these hidden, unseen times and places? King David was anointed king many, many years before he actually became the king. And already then, God showed uh, Samuel and David's brothers what he was looking for in a king. Because Samuel, this great man of God, he had gone to David's brothers to anoint the future king of Israel. And he thought, surely it's going to be an impressive guy. Surely it's going to be the oldest brother, the the yeah, just the, the guy that you think this is the natural leader, this is an impressive guy. But God said to him, no, no, Samuel, I'm man looks at what on the outside, but I look on the inside. I care for people's heart. And that's why David was chosen to be king because of his heart. But even then, he had to go through a time of hiddenness, a time of being unseen, a time of being misunderstood, of being persecuted, of being, yeah, really alone and troubled and struggling and, yeah, being built and prepared by God in that time before many years later he would finally officially become the king of Israel. And the same with Jesus even. Jesus was born and we know of his birth we now know of the angels that sang and of the um, officials from far away in a country in the east coming to see him and bringing precious gifts to him. Nobody around Jesus actually really knew about that. When he moved to Egypt and then to Nazareth, people didn't know. He was just a, a little boy and yeah, growing up in hiddenness and for, yeah, all of his youth, except for that one incident when he was 12 years old at the temple, Jesus was hidden. He was not doing impressive, great, big ministry things, but he was connected to the Father. He was growing in favor with God and man and not doing a lot of great and impressive things, but being connected to the Father learning from the Father, doing what he saw the Father doing also then. And God was well pleased with him there in those hidden places. And then he called him out into his public ministry. And the kingdom of God is also like that. It is unseen and it, yet it is growing forcefully and yeah, we being in the kingdom of God, are we, are we willing to um, live our lives according to the principles of the kingdom of God? Unless a seed falls in the ground and dies, it cannot bear fruit. The kingdom of God is like a little bit of yeast that a woman put into the dough, but then it went all through the dough. All those things, it's the, the 
examples and pictures that God, that Jesus uses for the kingdom of God are these little unseen mundane things that penetrate, that um, grow exponentially. And are we allowing God to use those little mundane things in our lives for his glory and for his kingdom? Are we allowing him in seasons and situations of hiddenness, of being unseen to build our character? I'm reminded of this verse in Matthew 6, verse 6, that Jesus, um, where Jesus taught his disciples to pray and he told them when you pray go into your room close the door and pray to your father who is unseen then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you this is the amazing news we are yes we we might seem unseen but our father who also is unseen, but who sees what is done in secret, he will reward us. When we draw to him in these times of hiddenness, of being confined to our houses, be it due to COVID or be it due to small children, confined to our small circle of influence, confined to our small lives, if we seek the Father in these closed rooms, he who sees what is done in secret will reward us. So don't despise what is, what is unseen. In fact, invest in what is unseen. Invest in quiet time with the Father that nobody knows about. Often I find myself tempted to, when I've then closed my door and prayed to the father who is unseen to then open my door again and tell everybody about <laughs> this time that I've had with the father and um, yeah, pull it out into the scene realm again. But am I willing to, to just leave it there, to let it be unseen, but let it work itself out in my character and in what God does in me and through me, not me just uh, blowing my own trumpet and making it known to the world. Now, one question that, that I'm asking myself and that you might be asking yourself because you're listening to a podcast that's called Disciple Making Mama and our focus here is so much on witnessing, on being out there, on making disciples what about making disciples? What about evangelizing if we focus so much on the unseen, on the hidden, on, yeah, not blowing our own trumpet, but quietly closing our door and talking to the Father who is unseen, allowing him in the unseen circumstances of our mundane lives to build our character? Aren't we, isn't, how does that go together with going into the world and making disciples. Aren't we supposed to promote Jesus and make ourselves visible so that the world will see Jesus? Now, there is a very true thing about Jesus saying, you know, don't, you know, don't put your light under a, a bucket 
but put it on the lampstand that the people around you will see your good works and they will praise your Father in heaven. But there's also this paradox of the kingdom of God. And I've, I've already touched on it a little bit, but the kingdom of God in a way does not have to be promoted with big fanfare and big events. Um, it grows quietly. What we see in the life and ministry of Jesus seems so counterintuitive. Here comes the Son of God and he comes to to save the world, to make the love of the Father known and the, the new life and the forgiveness that we can receive through him. And he spends most of his time with 12 people. How does that make sense? Didn't he come to save the world? And now he's spending most of his time just with these few people. He, When there is a crowd, he almost seems to want to get rid of the crowd as soon as possible. Why doesn't he reveal himself to all those 5,000 people and the 4,000 people that he just fed bread to? Why didn't he tell them, hey, I'm the son of God. I'm the Messiah. Follow me. Um, we're going to build this big church that's going to change the world. Why doesn't Jesus do that? Well, in a way, I don't know why, but I, I, I know that he doesn't do it. He focuses on the few. And that strategy seems to have worked because those few went and multiplied. And again, if we look at those images and comparisons that Jesus uses to speak about the kingdom of God, it's all these little things that penetrate, that grow the um, seed of the mustard tree is one of the smallest seeds and yet the tree becomes one of the biggest trees the small thing grows into a big thing and as we see Jesus's method of making disciples we see a method of investing deeply into a few and those few invest deeply again in another few and those invest in another few and so it goes on and on the kingdom of god grows exponentially and i think this is one of the funny privileges of living in times of covid19 we are starting to see a little bit what exponential growth means because how does this virus spread from one person to the next and that person has contact with maybe three more people and those three people in turn have contact with two more people and those two and then next thing you know the numbers are exploding this is a kind of mind-boggling principle for the human mind this thing of exponential growth um there's this story about the um man who invented the game of chess and apparently the king was so impressed with him that he said, tell me anything you want and I'll give it to you. And that man, seemingly um, wanting to appear very humble but being quite shrewd, said to the king, um, okay, um, here's the, the board of the chess game. Um, I would like of you one kernel of rice on the first um, little square and then double that and put two kernels of rice 
on the next square and then double that again four kernels of rice on the next and just double every you know from from square to square just double the amount of rice and that's all the rice i would like you to give me nothing more and that seems very humble and doable, doesn't it? Oh yeah, that guy probably wants a few thousand sacks of rice. So what is that to the king? In fact, if you do the math, there's it's incredible, impossible amounts of rice that that king would have had to give to this guy who invented the game of chess. That is the power of exponential growth. And that is the power that Jesus uses in building his kingdom. You invest faithfully, deeply into maybe two people that grow into maturity in Christ. And those two people, because they've in, been invested into deeply, because they've also grown in this hidden place, maybe with you, maybe not with you, they in turn will also make two or three disciples who grow deep roots, who stand firmly and who again make two or three disciples, and so it goes on. And that is how the kingdom of God spreads. Your faithful witnessing and discipleship to the few people close to you has explosive potential. Be faithful there. Don't seek bigger platforms. If God gives you a bigger platform, okay, but don't seek them. Be faithful with the people that he's given you in your life. Be intentional with them, yes, but don't think your ministry, your witnessing, your disciple-making is only worth something if it is big, if it reaches the crowds. No, invest in the few people around you, invest deeply, and that will grow explosively, exponentially. Yeah, that's, that's all for today. I'm praying for you and yeah, pray for me as well as I'm figuring this out. I, as I told you, this this is something that I'm I'm very much preaching to myself at the moment. But yeah, wherever you are, focus on on what is unseen. Focus on Jesus. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God bless you. Bye-bye.